What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Geek Domination Podcast. I'm your host, Zane Coppage, and we also got uh, Marcus Lucas here with us this week. What up, guys? Today is October 25th, 2015. We've got a, an interesting show coming up today. Um, let's see. So we've been doing the raid in Destiny. That was a big thing we've been doing lately. You uh, just started leading your Xbox crew last night. Which blew lots of dick. Yeah, so we'll talk just, about that here in a little bit. Just to be really frank. Um, we'll talk about that here in a little bit, but uh, then we got a solid news ca- uh, portion coming up, and during our topic section, we will have uh, my brother and his best friend, incidentally, but they uh, they do cosplay stuff coming in, and so they'll come in and kind of talk about what they do, how they do it. I'm, I'm super stoked, uh, you know, Yeah, they, with, with my love of anime, people who, you know, create it. Create it, yeah. yeah I mean, create real physical life. objects, yeah. I'm pretty stoked. Yeah, so am I. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll hear from them later. But uh, right now, let's go on and get into what you were talking about, about how much it sucked to try and lead a crew through Destiny. Um, and they're so, taking raid. Uh, like, like, like Zana said, uh, on the PlayStation version, my character has been in existence for 25 hours, and I've already beaten the raid twice. Yep. Um, yep, yep. Zane's crew is absolutely phenomenal. Um, they, they work really well together. They know what they're doing. Um so I tried to lead my crew on the Xbox through last night, and it was absolutely terrible. Getting a team to coordinate is difficult enough, especially whenever you know people don't know what they're doing. Um, and then whenever you explain it to people and they don't listen, it is even worse. So yeah. in conclusion, basically, we spent, oh, I don't even know. We started at 8.30 and stopped at 1. So oh, geez. four and a half hours. Yeah. Four and a half hours. It's always going to be rough. Of grind. But the worst part for me was the fact that we made it through all the way to Golgoroth in two and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah. And then we spent another two hours on Golgoroth. Well, like I said, it's a gear check. That whole spot is just a giant gear check. And, And like, you don't have the right weapons that are leveled correctly, like you're experiencing. Yeah. You're not going to put out the right damage. And regardless of any of that, it's just... A mechanics thing. The the people who were taking the gaze wanted to switch it up instead yeah, of doing yeah. the back left, back right, mid, mid. They wanted to do back right, front left, and then they wanted to go counterclockwise around. Mm, and I was like, you're making this super complicated. It does not need to be this complicated. I mean, hell, we discovered with Cody running gaze that one day that the best method is you start back left because... He has the clearest line of sight, and Golroth takes a few steps that direction first. And if he takes a few steps direct in the direction of the other gaze holder first, he's like up against a wall. He's against the wall, and he's and shooting those orbs in and bouncing everywhere, and you have so many problems. So, like, there's a very specific reason why you do it that way. And then I was telling you earlier today, there's the alternate method isn't isn't bad. It's just you go through different, you go through it differently. And so we're gonna try this for hard mode probably, but I'll just throw it out there. You basically will need one bubble. And one gaze holder, and you only do one pool per round. And you just do one pool, jump out, have all your f- five people. You have five people doing DPS during that that wave. And the hope is that you, they do the DPS longer because they're actually counting down the exact second that the bubble drops to the floor, little ball thing, and the exact second the gaze holder takes it. And so then he just counts down, and once he hits zero, everyone should be out of the pit. Yeah, it should and do it in 20 phase. seconds. Yeah, something like that. So it's like you get a full 20 seconds of five people DPSing. You're doing more damage in that round. You might have to do three or four rounds, but it's a little bit safer too because you're not having to dodge him and try and get the gaze passed off. You're just doing one gaze and get out. And even then, if it, 
in in the way that we were doing it before, you do not have four people down there doing damage. You have three people down there doing damage yeah. and one person running ads. Yeah, so that that seemed to be one of the biggest issues to begin with yep. on 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 my run with the Xbox crews because half the time I'd be standing there, you know, barrel stuffing him with a shotgun because that's yep. all I got. Yep. And uh, you know, doing thirty five thousand mm. a shot with a full auto shotgun. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, my best recommendation to you is just have one of your Titans do bubble, make sure tether goes up on the first gaze. And it, well, the moment tether dissipates, and if you still have time on the clock, have that melting, point. melting point to attach. But make sure everyone's just doing weapons of light, because if you think about it, no matter what, then they're doing bonus damage during that run. Yeah, and the I think it it stacks up to because like I know bubble is thirty five percent, something like that, thirty five, and melting point is another fifty. Yeah, and then and it's it's exponential, not just uh, a percentage stack. Yeah, so those two are great together. Uh, Shadow shot also causes. The only thing that I've that I've encountered is Shadow Shot overrides Melting Point. It does. They don't coincide. That's why you can't run them together. That's why you run them in, in sequence. So you, you call so out. So Weapons of Light is the only thing that'll stack with either of them. Yeah. So, they both so run one, together. and the moment it dissipates, drop the other one on them. That's yeah. the best part about it is you can trade off like that. So yeah, those are the two things I would recommend. And then, you know, snipers and machine guns are the bread and butter of this raid. They're the two things that you like. is almost a requirement in this raid is a strong sniper and a strong machine gun. Yeah, and... It, like I said, it was just, it was just a grind, and it yep. sucked. It, yep, yep. I mean, and the worst part for 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 me is it was completely, completely useless. All I got was moldering shards. Yeah, I mean, the, you can't necessarily like it's it, it's really hard to look at it this way. But uh, luckily, this time around, moldering shards feel important because once you do finish the raid, when you have twenty, you get an additional drop, and that's huge and like hard mode doesn't have any moldering shards so you won't see anything apart from the actual items drop from the raid or nothing so like the best thing in a way to do right now is just run normal mode once a week and then hard mode because if you don't have the moldering shards to run hard mode you're not going to get that bonus drop in hard mode okay so that makes sense yeah but even still like like i said i mean golgoroth is the only place you can get armor um apart from the helmet Helmet only drops from Oryx. Uh, the cosmetic item uh, drops only from Daughters, but the other body parts, chest, arms, and legs, all drop from Golgoroth. Um, weapons are what drop from War Priest, apart from primaries. Primaries drop from also Oryx. So that's kind of how you have to think of it. And the way that I was reading up online is pretty much best way to structure yourself, especially when you're trying to learn the raid and you're trying to like gear up more than anything else for hard mode, is uh, kind of weigh your time. You know, don't stress out about how much time you have currently. Just go, okay, you know what? Uh, Golgroth is really hard. Let's just focus on only beating him this week. Don't even think about anything farther than that right now because right now we're hoping for Golgroth to drop armor so that it makes it easier later. Or we're hoping for Warpriest to drop weapons to make it easier for later. So those are the big things. Um, I've heard also, like, if you struggle with uh, daughters and you're short on time, don't bother. Like, just drop out at that point because... The way that it feels and the way that it flows after that. If you run daughters really smooth, you, Oryx will go will go fine every time. Yeah, um, it's just a matter of knowing how much time you have and what you want to accomplish within that time. Okay. Um, yeah, that'll be the goal. Yeah, but I mean, uh, Golgoroth's a, a bullet sponge. He's the only bullet sponge really in the raid. So yeah, because like I said, like one of the runs, dude, I did like over four million damage, and yep. he was still within right. halfway. 
Yeah, and that's the thing is like like I was saying, you just gotta kind of have everyone doing DP. It can't be a one person carry or two person carry thing, and you gotta structure that team well, and you just gotta make sure everyone knows the role. Like that's the thing is Golgoroth is strictly knowing what to do. Um, once you know what to do, it's just a matter of making those pieces fall into place. Like we're gonna try that new run when we do hard mode. We're gonna try that one person gaze. I'm probably gonna do gaze. Just hold it for that one round and let everyone else unload the fuck out of his stomach. Three, two, one. Everyone drop out. Everyone goes back to ads. But yeah. Um, so yeah, we had a hard mode drop. Uh, we haven't run it. Cody's ran it. Cody uh, ran most of it. He couldn't beat Oryx. That was the only thing. Um, with those randoms that he was with or whatever from LFG. But uh, yeah, he was running it and giving us updates on what he was getting and what things would look like. So it looks cool. Looks like default armor colors are black with red accents. And then shader hard mode is uh, black with uh, neon green, which is what the thumbnails for the raid armor looks like. That's the funny part. But uh, yeah, I think what he did is he inspected somebody that already finished it and looked at what his character would have looked like with that shader, and that's how we got that picture. But yeah, I'm really stoked because everything's black. Like... I was looking at the raid cloaks. It dropped on someone. I was watching the stream and someone it dropped for them. And uh, yeah, solid black cloak with red bones on the back and like all this other cool shit. I was like, fuck, all I want to do now is play. All the weapons, all the, the white bone parts from normal mode are black with red muscle ten like oh. tendon pieces. Yeah. I didn't know the weapons changed. Yep. Because uh, here, let me see if I can pull up the picture for you right here while we talk about this. But uh, yeah, he got so he got a picture of somebody, uh, the rocket launcher, I believe, and it looks so fucking cool. Um, nope. Oh yeah. By the way, there's what John Luke's PlayStation was doing uh, as of yesterday morning. Once it loads, load, 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 load. Oh poor JL. I know he's been having so many issues. I'm seriously worried. I don't know what's going on. I'll just back out and. Okay, well, you can see it from there. Damn. Yeah, he's got the scan lines. He's having something wrong with his GPU and a bunch of other issues with that stuff. But there we go. Hard mode rocket. That looks dope. Yeah. Yeah. So, Damn. So now I'm all stoked. Now to hard mode. Do it. Do it now. Do it now. But yeah, otherwise, uh, yeah, that's pretty much been game-wise all I've really done. Um, I started Final Fantasy uh, Type Zero HD. Oh, very nice. Um, it is <laughs> cool. Um, I was I was a huge fan of Seven. I haven't been able to really keep up with with anything post that because I tried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tried Ten. I tried. Uh, I still want to go back and, and play Ten 12. and Ten too, but I just haven't made time for it. Yeah, it was just Twelve was the one that was lightning. Yeah, that was the one that came out most like advertised three hundred and sixty or whatever. I, I think there's three. There are. I remember that. There were three parts. 12, the one, third 12, part two, was 12, 3. 12, 3 was the multiplayer component or whatever. Yeah. Or one of them was. I remember that. But yeah, it was such a weird release for that one. Yeah. And I, I didn't much care for, for, the, for the gameplay. I didn't. Um, you know, it was almost Kingdom Hearts esque, but yeah. instead of casting your spells like as a quick key, you had to stop, select your spell. It was just a lot of like Cumbersome. go and stop, go and stop, yeah. go and stop, and like yeah, you're freezing the battlefield, so you're okay. But I don't know. It made it interesting yeah. to have to you know dodge people and try to select your spell at the same time in Kingdom Hearts. Why why couldn't you have just stuck with that? I but don't know. In I don't this know. one, 
Um, it's pretty much gone back to that. I, I have okay. my abilities. I select my abilities. I have you know what I have to begin with in the battle, and mm-hmm. if I need something else outside of that, tough luck. Like yeah. you selected what you wanted whenever you went into the battle. That's it. You're done. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, so far the story is pretty interesting. It's it's the mechanics are working really well. Um, they even brought back uh, Cocobo breeding. Okay, cool. So yeah. so you can breed Cocobo, which is the Chocobos are great. My favorite thing in the world. Um, but yeah, so far so good. I mean, I haven't gotten too far into it. I think I'm like three missions in, but there's a lot of stuff that you can do. the The only part that I have to say is a downside is there's a lot of stuff that I feel like I should do that I don't know is there. Mm. Um, you know, back when I played Final Fantasy VII, like there's a lot of stuff that you should do that if you don't know is there is just you know you're just not going to do it. Right. But it's not hard to figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also not hard to advance your level in Final Fantasy VII. In Final Fantasy VII, you can literally just run around in a circle and, yeah. and you're good. And after you beat that first snake boss, you can literally spam him for the good shit forever. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't matter what level you are, yep. you can go spam him mm-hmm. all you want. Um, in this, I have yet to find a training ground. I feel like I know where it is, but it's not available to me yet, so maybe that's just a later in the game kind of thing. Yeah. But, yeah, so I started that. And yeah, that, that 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 is the video game world for me right now. Nice. Destiny and Final Fantasy. Yeah, because so far, all, like we picked up uh, Yoshi's Wooly World last week for Katie, and I've been playing that periodically. Like whenever she just wants to play that with me, we do that because um, the co-op mode in it, it's pretty interesting. Um, it's it's funny because like obviously you can turn your second person or in, if you're playing solo the Yoshi amiibo, um, who is plays as a second character. Um, they can always be an emergency egg. That's the fun part. Is you can just eat them and turn them into an egg, throw them, and then they're back to being normal Yoshi. So you can also use this to, as a platforming mechanic because you can just throw them up to get to hard places or throw them at an enemy because, oh, fuck, I don't have an egg. And it works. So it's been interesting because it plays along with the the whole wool and yarn mechanic a lot. So like there's like these invisible dotted lines around like a plat- like where a platform should be. And you'll throw an egg at it, and then it'll sew up uh, platform for you real quick or um, you'll feel like I was saying you can throw on the Yoshi amiibo and then it becomes a second Yoshi running around with you the only thing that I have a problem with it is the way that it controls it's not like that Yoshi follows you it's like you're controlling both Yoshis simultaneously and every button press and every action you do is controlling both simultaneously so there's a lot of times where like so it's like a shadow like a mirror image like everything sort of, you do affects both it's it's just in parallel that's all that's what I can put it, is parallel control there's another game but, like that what is it? Um, it's really difficult because you gotta like jump and you gotta. I've played games right. that have that mechanic, but usually you're controlling one with the right thumbstick and one with the left thumbstick, and so then you're controlling them like simultaneously but separately. This is strictly just control both simultaneously with one stick control and button. I feel presses. like it's a Mario thing. I feel like it was a Mario game. Well, there was always the the multi cherry thing that you'd take, and then you'd get two of that character. So then you'd have like two, three, or four Mario's running around the screen because they're all you. But my biggest problem with that method with Yoshi is that more often than not, I'm going back and forth through the same door because you're trying to jump and target something, and the other the other Yoshi just barely like hops or something, and then just up considers it through the door so then it's through the door and you're like fucking i was in the middle of a puzzle 
this shit's stupid. Like, there's that instantaneous moment. Like, you can just turn him into an egg, but half the time, like, I'll remember to do that too late or too early. And then I'll actually throw him. And then I'm going back through that door again because of the way that it controls. And it's just kind of a, head, a giant headache for me. And I'm like, fuck, I just almost would rather not having this stupid second Yoshi sometimes. Because then, like, what's worse, too, is, like, you're trying to eat something very specifically, and you'll just snag up that second Yoshi. <laughs> and you're like, God, God damn it. I was trying to grab that fire. God damn it, baby Yoshi. So it's been an interesting game, to say the least. And like I was telling you before, like, what's kind of funny about it is that uh, you can kind of pop Amiibos on, just any of the other Amiibos, and then Yoshi, his yarn designed itself to look like the other character. So, like... Really? Yeah, so, like, uh, Mario, for instance, he'll actually get, like, a little mustache and get, like, tan and, like, get the little hat, like, look to his head and, like... Like, it's not like there's a hat on him. It's literally just, like, the yarn into, in, just gets yarned printed. Into yeah, it gets printed that way. That's awesome. Um, Like, with the funniest one to me that I don't have yet is uh, Samus Aaron in full armor because his cheeks become the shoulder pieces and the visor appears on his nose because of the way that the way like he's designed and the way he's shaped so just it's funny to to watch how these other characters print on the yoshi model but there are always things you can change you know each what's cool is each level also offers up a different printed version of yoshi too if you get all little little uh yarn things to like they look like the ones that you'd buy at the craft store like the actual like spools of it and if you get like five of them in the level or six of them in the level then you unlock a special printed version of Yoshi that looks a certain way. And so they also have the Amiibo ones, which are supposed to be like just bonus if you have the Amiibos already, which is kind of cool. That is cool. Um, yeah, which we've gotten reports that maybe we'll see a giant version of the Yarn Yoshi come out, which is basically just like uh, probably about like an 8-inch, eight 8-10-inch eight inch, uh, little plush Amiibo, which I was like, we already have the one little one. It's like normal Amiibo size Yoshi Yarn. But Even I was a like, bigger if, if yeah, you look at him. Yeah, so it's just one of those things. It's like, be kind of funny to get the giant one too, and have it work. It, yeah, if it works and you're yeah. a giant Yoshi, that'd be awesome. so I'm just curious what that effect will be like. But uh, did got that, and then I did just buy the other day uh, Jaws of Hakon DLC for Dragon Age Inquisition. So I've been kind of putzing around in that. But I have it, but I have not put it in and downloaded it yet. Yeah, I. Uh, I, I, I have, putzed around I've heard with it the mixed other night. Reviews. Yeah, I haven't gotten enough. Like so far, it just feels like another exploration zone, just like any other map points that you can go to and just start finding. Like, oh, there's like five or six rifts here. Oh, there's like you know five or six encampments here. Well, I mean, I haven't played it at all. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, um, so I I have GameFly, so I got the disc. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. And I haven't put it in yet. That's how I got Final Fantasy too. Uh, well, <laughs> it's a giant time sink, like the most Bioware games. I'll say that much. Um, All right, I'm setting it back. Yeah, you're. I don't. I don't have the exactly. Time <laughs> I was gonna say like you don't. You probably don't have the time for it, but uh, not with me having to play two different consoles. Yeah, <laughs> I know. The same game. Yeah, when you get you know when you find and decide you have time when probably before the next big content release for Destiny. So like usually that like last month, month and a half before con next content release, there's usually a time where it's just sort of like fuck off. Like I'm not gonna do anything in this game. Yeah, anymore. don't touch Destiny for, for months on end. It's, it's yeah. what I did after uh House of Wolves. House of Wolves, That's yeah. Like I, I, I beat it I beat House of Wolves in like what I don't even Three know. Three or four weeks probably. Gee, I, I don't even know if it took me that long. Like yeah. two weeks and I had I had already gotten I mean by two that, out of by three the Friday I was already at max on two characters by 
I mean, by the end of the content, I had all three characters up, but that fourth one, that third one, I just kind of fucked around with until like I, I let her kind of sit and my Titan on the Xbox upgrade, is still upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. <laughs> yeah, it took a while, but I finally got like I got her up to thirty four, like three days before Taken King dropped. Like that was the thing with her is I just waited till the last second. I was like, oh hey, I already have armor cores. Let me just go. All right, done. Like, cool. She's thirty four. That'll be easier now. But um. Yeah, so when you get time, Dragon Age is a game to play, but you're going to, just to beat the main story, you're going to have to dedicate like 85, 90 hours. And that's no. before the content. Nope, just can't do it. Yep. Not with school. Yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. It's just like, you're, it's probably more like a late spring, like right before summertime, if you don't take classes in the summer kind of thing. Yeah. That's the time may, to play that maybe game. Maybe then. Yeah. But by then, you know, I feel like, you know, we'll have like Battlefront and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, yeah. well, I'm, I'm still like so worried about how Battlefront's going to turn out just because like that beta did not capture me the way I was hoping it would. See, it did me and I, I liked yeah. it. I don't know how well it's going to do, but I do know that regardless of how well it's going to do, I'm going to like it. Yeah. Like, whether or not it's hated on or whether or not it's actually a great game, I'm still going to buy it. So, I mean, yeah, still I mean gonna, they've, I they've already got my money. Sitting, let me put it yeah, that way. They, like, they've already got my money. <laughs> I'm still going to wind up playing it, play the DLCs and all that. But at the end of the day, like, I'm still kind of worried that that game in its full version won't grab me the way I want it to. Yeah, my, my concern is the space battles not being there anymore. That was my I mean, favorite part yeah. of Battlefront 2. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I didn't even experiment with, like, the full size of what the maps offer in terms of aerial conflict because like even on the hoth battle i did not explore the full range like i felt like oftentimes i I was flying to what i thought was the edge and it didn't seem like it, there was really an edge there so. um i did and uh don't okay you just die yeah insta death like it's not even like like destiny was like turn back you know you have oh That's so many seconds stupid. yeah it's it's insta death and that might change because I, I remember almost a Star Fox like where like the moment you hit the border of the the map it flips zone, you around. it just flips you around. That that would be nice. I wouldn't mind that or the whole you know turn back like you're leaving the battlefield. Yeah, if you go another like twenty feet, you're then dead. you die. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that that I wouldn't mind. Um, but I think I think just because it was a beta, they might have put those invisible walls there because even in Battlefront Two, they had that feature. Yeah, if you flew flew to the edge, it said turn it back. It seems like aerial combat was such an afterthought for them, because like they announced adding it after the backlash from no space battles, and it was like you guys are kind of pandering now. You're kind of like everyone was such such a strong backlash against aerial combat that now you're adding it after the fact. All this was a year ago when they announced all that stuff, so they've had time to obviously work on it correctly. It's just a matter of, like, it felt very much like it was a reactionary thing. I don't know. It seems like all they're really doing anymore is reacting. My thing is, is, like, how much feedback did they actually get from Battlefront 2? That's what I wonder, too, because I felt like they didn't... I felt like nobody really talked or about it. Like, about if you it, brought it up, yeah. they're like, oh, yeah, I loved that game, but they never really went into what do they love about it and that kind no, of thing. Yeah. So I can understand a little bit of the pandering thing because, you know, they said, okay, we're going to take out the space battles because what if they didn't hear that people really enjoyed it? What if a vast yeah. majority of the people they talked to were like, oh, we actually tend to, to skip those? Well, and it's just one of those things. It's hard to say because, like, we're talking about a game that had, like, 12 years in between it in the previous release and we also had one scrapped battlefront 3 game 
and this is DICE's first attempt at a Star Wars-infused version of Battlefield, essentially. And I know they're trying to make it their like its own game, but like my biggest worry is is the weaponry, uh, how the maps play to those game types. That DLT those, needs a nerf. That needs a nerf. The two different uh, auto weapons that each faction kind of gets to start with kind of feel like they need better separation between what they're capable of. Because at the end of the day, they feel very much like the same gun. Yeah, it's I think the E11 differences. shouldn't be auto. Yeah, something. One of those, like, it, that's how it I kind of feel. It should be like a scout rifle versus auto rifle yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, kind of how I feel too. But um, you know, I understand the, why they kept it pretty much the same because you're talking about each faction and that they both would have an auto weapon and they'd have very similar features. But the, stupid, the way they have that release happen where you, like, if you flip it on the other side, you can't, the first weapon you unlock is the opposing team's first weapon. And it's like... You should have just given it to both teams for free to start with if you're going to do it that way because that's, that's just gate-locking content for no good reason. Well, maybe that was just the unlock thing for... Yeah, for who knows? Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right on that one, too. But We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I'm still kind of worried about that one. Um, in other news, mm-hmm. uh, I finished Season 10 of Supernatural and started The Flash. Yeah, you did. Um, I'm only on Episode 3 of The okay. Flash... And it had me hooked at episode one. I don't know if any yep. of you listening have not watched it, but freaking watch it. Dear God, this is go so back, good. If you this go back so good. to last year around this time, eh, maybe a couple weeks in, because Cody, yeah, Cody, Cody, I got Cody to watch it like halfway through the season. So Flash was one that I was kind of like, I'm actually really stoked to see this. Let's see what happens. And I watched it from the start last year. Um, About... I wouldn't say quite halfway through because it was the the metal man. Whenever you get to him, I think that's five or six, episode five or six. Um, it I'll was there not long after that that I told Cody he had to watch it. So I meant like after podcast one day, had him sit around with me and we watched one, that one episode. And it was just like one episode. I think it was. I'm pretty sure it's episode five. You know, he came. You know, he watched it with me, and he was just like, "This this is pretty good." So then he went home, bought. All the episodes leading up to where they were in the season at that point, which I think was mid-season at that point, on Amazon, watched them all, then went and started watching the current episodes on Hulu as they came out, <laughs> and was is now obsessed with it. <laughs> and like, if you go back to podcasts from like April or May, you'll hear him and I and even John Luke just kind of freaking out and geeking the fuck out over Flash because it's so good. It is so good. Like, it's really good. You know, um... Before, before I like dive into how much I love it, mm-hmm. I'm going to go take a step back to Supernatural. Supernatural, I, I've been a fan of that show since the very beginning. Yeah. Um, I've been waiting for season 10 for a very long time. Season 11 has apparently already started. Yeah, I've got it recording. Um, I wasn't aware of that. I thought it started next month, but apparently it started last month. <laughs> no, it started at the beginning of October. Which is almost a month ago. Mm-hmm. Shut up, Zane. Anyway. No, I was just saying, because that's the same time uh, Arrow and Flash started. But... uh. Yeah, so I, I watched all of season 10 of Supernatural. Um, as far as seasons go, it was not the greatest. Uh, yeah, I'm halfway through, and I'm just character development really for, slow. It's, it's a lot of character development. It leaves you hanging enough at the end of each episode to make you want to watch the next one, but it's not as uh, jaw-dropping or anything like that. It's, it's predictable. Um, 
I mean, if we're being really frank, it's been predictable since season six. Yeah, it just trades which season. Every season changes which which brother is supposed to die. Yep. Because, um, I mean, through season five was when, um, what's his name? Fucking, I think it's Kripke. I'm pretty sure it's Kripke that was the original producer and writer of the show. It was one of Eric those guys. Kripke, yeah. No, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm pretty sure it was him. But um, And Robert Singer. Yeah, but there's also one other guy that was associated with it for the first five years exclusively because those were the ones he wrote originally for Supernatural. And he was his intention was to have the series end with five. And you can tell by the way it's structured. That was the end of the Hell Saga and Satan trying to take over Dean, or I mean Sam, and that whole storyline. And Dean was supposed to have a nice, happy life after that. Then they were like, viewership's high enough. We need to make more seasons. And season six was a total cop-out. Season six was totally just garbage. Seven and eight were pretty decent. Nine was good. Ten has been kind of meh. And I haven't watched any of eleven yet. Well, you know, it's funny. It's funny you say that because even in season ten, you will find out that they reference the fact that Sam falling into hell mm-hmm. is where that prophet who wrote the supernatural books. That's where he ends. That is the end of the book series. Yeah, that's what I mean. Is like. The prophet was supposed to essentially be the real writer of the show. That was the whole in joke for the series, and that's why he couldn't write anymore after that point. Is because technically, that's where the prophecy ended. Yeah, exactly. That's where it was supposed to end, and it's it's great that they've they've looped that back around a little bit. Um, yeah, but it's also a little bit tongue in cheek of like, well, you shouldn't be going anymore. <laughs> but at the same time, you've you've still got a huge following. Oh, absolutely. The, the, thing, the thing that is most upsetting to me, I guess, is the fact that. While it's still going, it's still the same kind of stuff going around. Like, for instance, you yeah. know that Dean has the mark of Cain. Yeah. Okay. And you know that in the first parts of the season, he's a demon. Mm-hmm. Okay. But in the previous season, demon. they. Yeah, demon. Uh, but basically, in the first part of the season, Dean is a demon. Yep. But you learned in the previous season mm-hmm. that it is possible to cure demonhood. You can cure a demon. Well, then they started doing that to him, and it really wasn't working that well. Like, it was intermittently working, but they were worried more that he was dying than he was actually curing. And then he felt better, and then he was going on more. Then he, like, kept going back and forth, essentially. Like, oh, I'm very human. I'm very but monster. I'm very the, human. I'm very the thing monster. That was, the thing that was, like, the most stupid to me is every case, every case in the season, all of them point back to Dean is a good guy. Dean is a good guy. He yeah. may do evil things, but he's still a good guy. It's not his fault or, you know, yep. that kind of thing. But then it, it's usually Sam who's saying these things. Like, yep. you know, oh, bad things happen. Which to is people. hilarious considering Sam used to be a demon too. He also used to well, exercise. Sam was a demon. Yeah, he was. He was the son of a demon because of the blood, because he was drinking their blood. Yeah, but he wasn't like actually like black he, guy's demon. Yeah, he was, because every time he went to exercise the demon from their bodies, he his eyes turned solid black. I don't remember that. Remember when he was doing like the weird force choke thing and then the, the smoke would fall to the ground and then go through the floor because it was going back to hell? When he would do that, his eyes would turn black. I don't remember that. That was like season three through four. But that even, was also even, when he was like homicidal and you'd go kill the demons and just start drinking their blood and be like, yes, I need their power and all that shit. And it's like, yeah, you're pretty demonic because you're becoming the vessel for Satan. But Satan is a... A an fallen angel. angel, I know. Yeah, yeah. But he had to have the demon's power to be able to withstand the might of an angel in his body. That was the whole bullshit yeah, a... for the first five seasons, was that whole story arc. But 
Anywho. Yeah. Just... Uh, it's always Sam saying, you know, yeah. bad things happen to good people. Whenever Dean explains it, he's just like, yeah, um, monsters are always going to be monsters and they should be put down. Yeah. Uh, that's been kind of Dean's shtick, like, the whole show. Yep. A monster is a monster and a monster needs to die. But it kind of goes back to the whole thing, you know, Sam will do anything to help Dean. Cool. Understandable. Um, Dean says, don't do it. And it's like, you hypocritical son of a bitch. Like, your yeah, son no, that's the was whole Satan. <laughs> or no. your brother was Satan. Like, you just, you can't, you can't say stuff like that. Like, it's just not, it's not the way it's going to go. But yeah. he gets mad at him every time it happens. And then he pretends to leave, but then he always comes back. That's the that's my biggest problem is each show recycles the last season's problem with a new name. Yeah. And on so, the other brother. It's just like they're passing the coin of like who's whose turn is it this time? Flip the coin. Okay. Oh, now it's Dean's turn. Oh, now it's Sam's turn. Oh, they're gonna be nearly dead. Oh, they're kind of accepting it. I oh, honestly, their brother de- denies it. Oh, it flips. Now they're back on. So yeah. okay, you, you in in the season you'll you'll see Kane he, he meets back up with Kane. Right? I've already seen that. Okay, so Kane will eventually tell him, okay, you know, the way Kane's story started, he made a deal with the devil mm-hmm. and then he killed his brother. Yep. Dean is living his story in reverse. The only yeah, way yeah. to end it is to kill, kill his, his brother. brother. Yep. Okay. But Kane basically explains it to him like, you know, first off, you'll kill some random person. All, yeah, I remember all this. Yep. Secondly, you'll kill someone you know. Yep. But you'll still find a way to justify it. Yep. And Sam will still be on your side. Next, you'll kill Castiel. And you will still find a way to justify it. Yep. And Sam will still believe you. And then you'll end Sam. Yep. So throughout the show, you can see these things building up, right? I honestly, like, while it would have sucked, I would not have minded if Castiel died. Yeah, it's just I would it, like to feel some tragedy. Too. My I problem would, with that show because the part where it was best for me, yeah. like in the Leviathan season, <laughs> that was the most tongue-in-cheek season of them all too. The, well, the best part of that season for me was the fact that Bobby died. Yeah. Because it it added this element to the show that you're just like, "Oh my god, I can't believe this happened." But at the same time, you're also viewing it as, "Wow, you can live without a main character?" So I get not being able to do the show without Sam or Dean. You can't do the Supernatural Brothers without yeah. both brothers. Castiel, while an important part, Castiel could be gone, and it wouldn't bother me. My problem is that since season five, he's been constantly irregular, and he's pretty much the third brother in how they tr- treat his character. Except it's not. They they use him. Oh, I know. So much. I just meant more in the fandom. He's more like another brother in terms of how the fans react to him, um, and how the show uses him in that way. Well, yeah. Have you seen that one press conference? Like somebody in the back was like, "I love you, Misha," and Dean and Sam's, you know, Jared and Jensen. Mm-hmm. They were like, they were like, "Oh, come on, shut up!" And he's like, "Good question. Good question." <laughs> <laughs> Friggin' uh, my biggest problem with this se- with all the seasons now since probably about seven ish is that they pander a lot to the fans that go on forums. So like, the fans were demanding a musical episode, so they did a musical episode. Like, they do shit like that. That is not. It's not healthy for a show in that regard. It's strictly just like 
oh, these fans want this thing to happen, so let's try and cater to that because we want more views. And it's but it's it, not it, it compelling. Did, it did do a service to the show, though. I still don't. I don't like it. I don't like you any. Did you see the end of the episode? Yeah, I just don't like that episode with the, with the prophet coming back. Mm-hmm. I just because that prophet should be dead. Yeah, he it, should be long dead. None of that matters to me in that regard because it's like my I, I want to see what they do with show, that. My hook for that show has always been the fact that they just they kill monsters. And we actually got to see a visual representation of some decent monsters, decent killings on a network TV show, primetime TV show. show. With minimal problem, and then like I liked the overarching story arcs through the several several storylines, the tongue and cheekness of the whole Dick Roman season of Leviathan was actually pretty good. You actually got some pretty decent character development with Dean and his vampire friend, and that was the first time he actually showed remorse and concern for a monster. Which fun fact: the vampire that was uh, the vegetarian vampire that was the one that went with it from the uh, purgatory to the earth to Earth, that one. The like Bayou, Louisiana kind of character. Yeah, Dean, Dean's friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He appears in season two as a different vegetarian vampire. That actor. If you go back and rewatch one of those seasons, is he a different one or is he's he a this, different one? Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. He, That's weird. He, no accent, no like history of that kind of stuff. He's part of that clan that like looks like biker gang almost that hides in the barn from like season one or two. The ones that hide in the barn are the vegetarians. The ones That's that hide- what I mean. He's one of those. He's one of those in an earlier season, and then he comes back as a vegetarian, as a vegetarian vampire from Louisiana this time. But it's the same same actor because that's what that was the funny part. Is I remember texting my mom, and being like, "Holy shit, check this out! Go watch this episode. Go watch this episode. Same guy, different character. Interesting. Yeah, just a fun little casting fact. Like they just were like, you know what? That guy did pretty good back then. Let's bring him back. Yeah, let's bring him back. But no, um, all in all, like. To be fair to the show, yeah, yeah, um, I would really have liked to see um, Dean instead of you know being a douchebag this whole time mm-hmm. go to purgatory. Like that's where you said you felt the freest, and yeah, what are you gonna do there? I mean, what damage could you do? Everyone kill everyone. That's pretty much it. But yeah. guess what? Everyone revives there too. Exactly. I mean, you can. I mean, it it seemed like the most obvious thing to me. So, like, I guess maybe that's why they didn't do it. But maybe I haven't even thought about that. But that is probably the best place for him, honestly. Exactly. They, have, they know the they know the door, everything. So yeah, and if he needs to get out, he can. Mm-hmm. But as long as he's you know satiating the mark, he should be good, right? Um, and if he dies, oh big whoop! You'll stand back up as a demon and be even more powerful to kill everything else in purgatory. Like. Yeah. I mean, oops. So yeah. I mean, it seemed like a, an obvious thing, and they didn't even really discuss it at all until way late in the season. And that's kind of been my problem with the show in a way is just that it constantly kind of introduces these concepts and ideas that they never truly follow up on because they're so focused on the here and now. They forget that they've been places and done things. Well, they, they, they do mention that it is an option later on. I mean, even still, it's just one of those things like across the whole show, it feels like they kind of ignore the fact that at one point, oh, Dean was or Sam was pretty demonic in his own way and doing some pretty fucked up shit in his own right, too. They just barely they're like, oh, we've been through some shit. And it's like, well, they, do you they, remember what you've done? <laughs> they do touch on it. They do touch yeah. on, on that. That's that part specifically. Okay, good. Because until then, like I was in the same boat as you. Um, 
Sam was a demon. He was also the vessel for Lucifer. Mm-hmm. Um, why is that never brought up? Right. Like, why is that just? Oh swept yeah, and the he carpet? also spent time in hell. And oh yeah, he had, he had part no of his soul. soul. He had no soul away. Yeah. for a long time. I mean, yeah, put a wall love- up in his <laughs> mind and death showing. Like they've done so much shit, and yet they barely come back to that stuff I later. Love, I love when Dean and uh, Dean Dean explains to that girl who who wrote the play, mm-hmm. the musical. Uh, like actually, what happens is, is Sam comes back. He has no soul. They do fa- they fight to find his soul. They do this. They do that. You know, Sam you know goes through these trials that almost kill him to close the gates of hell. He doesn't. Um, then Dean gets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just like basically what happened is you know, and it was a good enough synopsis of the last five seasons that it was scary. Okay, like really? at least that's in there. But <laughs> still, it's just like. That's a show that I really did enjoy for a long time, and over the past several seasons, I'm more watching out of what feels like obligation than out of adoration. Because you're hoping that it'll get good again, and if yeah. you don't watch up to currency, then you'll never know. You'll never good. know what's going on. Yeah, and the other thing that I'd like to see, the one thing that I've constantly liked to have seen since they introduced the bunker and the Men of Letters is, you know what? Why don't you start building your network again? How about you start building the hunter network again and start building a network of men of letters in the hunters? So then you have smart hunters doing shit. Oh, wait, you don't trust anyone. Fucking why not grow your your flock, as it were, grow your military, like have a whole army of sorts working underground to stop monsters like that'd be almost 10 times more interesting than the crap they're going through now. I would like to see a season that didn't have to end in, oh, my God, the world's going to end. Also, oh, my God, one of us has to take on this burden that will affect us throughout the entire next season. Yeah, or we're dead. (laughs) Yeah. I would definitely like to see some sort of growth in that regard, bring some new characters, quote-unquote, fresh blood in. Um, Because I'm sure in a lot of ways, Jensen and Jared both would also like to grow their acting profiles at some point. They've been doing this show for now 11 years. 12. Yeah. So, you know, they've been at it for a while. Before that, Jensen was on Smallville and Jared was on... uh, Gilmore Girls. Yeah, Gilmore Girls. Thank you. Um, So they do have... ask me how I know that. No, I know that too. From what I thought was funny that they're both named Dean in two different shows. Yeah, um, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that to some extent they've also probably gotten other acting gigs offered in more recent time, and I'm sure they'd like to pursue those those endeavors. And if you grew your cast a little bit more to include trainees, you could then also kind of make the show go back to its fundamentals more of like educating about how monsters work and how to defend against them and fight them. I mean, the Men of Letters, whenever that came into play... I was so ready for it to yeah, grow. Yeah, dude, that was that was like the biggest part for me. Like, oh my God. I know. There was a secret society. Like, there were hunters too, because yeah. they even mentioned that the Men of Letters were the, were the scholars. They didn't really do much of the hunting. Exactly. But they had hunters on the books. Yep. They would pay hunters. Yep. So basically, back in the day, being a hunter was a paying job. Yep. And the Men of Letters could... In turn, loop it back around to where your credit cards disappeared, your, mm-hmm. you know, police records disappeared. Like, yeah, the men and letters covered your backs if you were a hunter, and in turn, the hunters could cover the men and letters when they couldn't handle shit. Exactly. So the hunters were, basically, and that was the whole cool part was that Sam and Dean were the first actual born of both a bloodline of 
men of letters, and of hunters. Yeah, which, I mean, absolutely means nothing. It means yeah, it, nothing. Which is sad, because it was such an opportunity to actually have a really cool, epic storyline of how they actually rose and became, like, a new breed of, cre- you know, humans that take down monsters better, but they didn't pursue that very well, and they still haven't. Yeah, so I, I hope they pursue that. Like, uh, that, w- that would literally make the show. I that mean, would make it better. That would make it go back to a point where I can actually be interested every episode. Yeah, and especially if you get some new, younger people in there. Not yeah. that Sam and Dean no, are, are old characters. Not They're not old Just, hat. They are the best. That's the thing that makes me want them to exactly, train somebody. Exactly. Like, so I want them to kind of show, like, we're aware of the fact that it can't just be us anymore. Well, like, you've seen the Marine that they brought in, right? Yeah. The one who's yeah, hunting yeah, down yeah. Dean. Yeah. Um, I don't want him specifically, but that was a good that was a good step in the right direction. Like, yeah, I mean, his story arc was a little lackluster. I mean, it was cool. Like, we got to see like some of the repercussions of their behaviors over the years, but and and it also helps demonize was, Dean. Yeah, well, also sanctifying him in some other aspects too, because he understood like we're gonna get you through this. We're gonna fix you because you're not a monster at your core right now. And if I mean, but if it comes to that, I will kill you. Like, just be real. <laughs> But yeah, it's just one of those things. Like, I want that show to turn back around. It's just, especially when the other CW shows are doing so well. Um, you know, like we were just saying, Flash is phenomenal in proving that, yeah, a young character learning is actually really intriguing and fun. And exactly. Which I liked that earlier in 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 the series that, mm-hmm. that Sam and Dean were still learning. There were things yeah, that they had to Yeah, that's why I loved it like so that. much. They had no idea and they were figuring stuff out. It was but a now, show. like, we're... Previously, you were under the assumption that John Winchester was the best hunter to ever exist. Mm-hmm. Now you know he was second rate compared to his sons. Yep. Regardless of if they're together or apart, they still mm-hmm. know what they need to know. They still get the job. They have no done. hesitation. They just get stuff done. Yeah. They 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 save people. You know, sometimes they don't do it in the correct way. Sometimes people die. They make but, decisions, and if it does impact thousands, if not millions. Everything yeah, they do. But whenever it comes down to it, these two guys have saved the world like ten times. <laughs> like mm-hmm. every season since four, pretty much. Yeah. They have stopped the apocalypse. Like even even Dean says something about it in this season. I was like, Oh, are we going for apocalypse round three? Like, mm-hmm. like come on. Um so I would like to see them train somebody. I would like to see them get a new set of recruits. I would like. I would to like see... to see more people with access to the bunker because then you can create more drama around the bunker again. Like if it gets perverted in any way, or hey, if they find more and they start setting up outposts, like because there's bunkers all over the world. Exactly, they do hint to that in this season. So I would I'd like, like to see, see them train uh, Claire. Yeah. Um. You know she she's already diving into this world. Um trainer instead of being the the selfish guys you don't want to be in this life how many the fact that people come into contact with stuff and they become dragged into this stuff and you know what they need to defend themselves correctly and oh hey they do have a knack at this you might as well train them because hey you made they may not want this life but it's not all on you guys exactly there's a point where you will die regardless of what supernatural bullshit you can get into and, and bring yourself back. And you whatnot. know, yeah, you could, you could be in your eighties and still hunting and still doing well. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly you have a heart attack. Like you were going to die. Yeah. There's no way around it. So might as well show the promise of a future characters. Yeah. Future defenders. Even if it, if it comes into the point, like we're, we're in season 11 now, if they started in season 12 and by season 13, we start seeing less and less mm-hmm. of Sam and Dean. Okay. Yeah. You know, um, 
supernatural is a world, not a person. Not the two characters that define it. It's yeah. that's how I feel too. Is I'm I'm not necessarily ready for them to be gone, but I am ready for new characters and new running characters with the show. Yeah, because like they brought in Castiel, and Castiel's been a running character with them. Yeah, um, Castiel is immortal. So if Castiel were to stay alive throughout the rest of the season. That would be, or the rest of the series, that would be fine with me. Yeah. Like, even if Sam and Dean kind of phase out, have Castiel be the kind of, like, Overwatch. Mm-hmm. Like, that'd be a good way to still pay homage to where the show began. Yeah. But to keep moving it forward. Because, you know, even if, you know, say season 15, if mm-hmm. they get to there. Season 15 is an entirely new cast yeah. who have been trained and then who, who their previous generation has been trained by sam and dean if you kind of treat and sam and was, dean's casting well and their roles more like bobby's in those waning seasons and have him appear as the guy that works in the bunker or the guy that's just out in the field you can easily show like dean standing around some area being like no i'm hunting this thing like on the phone with sam as he's trying to like figure out what to give information to the new cast like right there you have the inclusion of the old cast keep that interest in there you can have a plot line running throughout the show about how they're actually still doing some high-end hunting. But then you have a new cast still running around trying to take care of just day-to-day the, yeah, bullshit. Yeah, the small, mediocre stuff. Because while Sam and Dean have been doing this, you know, anti-apocalyptic mm-hmm. stuff, does that mean that the rest of the world is just fine? Like, all of a sudden, demons aren't Gins doing are this. still around. Yeah, and I mean. Fucking ghosts are still haunting. There like, are deities out there yep. that are fucking people over and they don't make any mention of that they say that there are other hunters that other hunters are doing their job but every time we've come in contact with another hunter either the hunter dies or you find out that person is completely incompetent Mm -hmm. and they're going to die yeah it's just it's it's felt like sam and dean are the only hunters in the show at this point that are anywhere nearby just in the show period it feels like because if another hunter is there they're just not anything worthwhile yeah. And yeah, I, I'd agree. I just, it's just, that's kind of where I'm at with that show. Um, but yeah, I kind of take it back a little bit here because we only have about 10 more minutes. Um, yeah. So that show has been pretty good, but it's, it's been, it's getting there. Like it's one of those things. But there was actually another um, rumor going around this week um, floating around that's saying that on Flash, we might see Tom Willing reprise his uh, Superman role from Smallville. Again, these rumors pop have popped up like four or five times with Arrow and, it's popping up yet again, but with those shows gaining as much traction as they have and their crossovering happening, and I mean, shit, Constantine from the NBC canceled series is showing up on Arrow ne- this week um, to help with their situation because they're dealing with the Lazarus pit and how that affects people's minds and all that stuff. So they're dealing with the repercussions of that stuff, and they require a supernaturalist. Well, you have Constantine from another show that's not on air anymore showing up and actually helping out. So, like, that's another show. Like, I'd like to see Tom Willing return. I'd like to see him return to the role of Superman and actually wear the suit for more than two seconds in the last episode of the series. I hope they fix the suit. Well, to be fair to that one, they just used the Superman suit that they had already made for uh, Superman Returns, the movie, at that time. Because it looks stupid. Yeah, it's well, it's it's paying homage to the uh, what's his name, Christopher Reeve, '70s version, which I get and I understand why you need to do that at that time. But I agree, like a few years later now, we might as yeah. well do a revision to it. And also, that one wasn't originally tailored for Tom Welling; it was originally tailored for Brandon Routh, and they just had it on display on the show a lot. And then they just showed a CGI version of the suit on a CGI version of Tom Welling at the very end of the show. And it looked Very like crap. Yeah. Like, you did not put enough time into that, guys. At all. 
Yeah, so I'd like to see them revisit it too, but I would definitely just like to see them show up and like establish the fact that like yeah, Superman and Batman like so they've already made a mention. You'll hear it later this season um, when they do the crossover episode with Arrow, um, with Arrow with season one of Flash. But uh, Harrison Wells makes a small mention of Batman. Is he Batman or is he Bruce Wayne? Batman. Very specifically, he just says he's he's talking about how Arrow is not the kind of person he wants to associate with. He's like other vigilantes that just use fear and and beatings to get their point across. People like Batman, and he just says it just like that. And you're just like, God damn it! Like that's how you're gonna name drop Batman? Yeah. <laughs> um, which makes me more irked that they're trying to avoid having any representation of Batman or Bruce Wayne in the show whatsoever. And I'm like, you've already kind of touched on it. What would be nice is uh. If you introduced, you know, some variation of Bruce Wayne, his company, his associates, anyone. You know what would have been a good time to do that? Like, you know, it it would not be a, a big jump to assume that Bruce Wayne knows that Oliver Queen is Green Arrow. Yeah. Because Batman knows everything. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I'm Batman. Anyway. Greatest detective in the world. I am the greatest detective in the world. Anyway. <laughs> um... Basically, what would have been a great way to bring him in would have been him like, oh, when Oliver's company went under, Wayne Enterprises is the benefactor that brings it back. Well, they actually did something with that that you'll be intrigued by is they had uh, Ray Palmer, who is the Atom, buy out uh, Queen Industries. And so Palmer Tech was the whole season three. And now Palmer Tech is being ran by Felicity, who is uh, Oliver's thing now. Is there a thing now? Go die, Felicity. Go die. Yeah, she ruined season three, man. And that's now... why I haven't watched it. Like it's on Netflix. Yeah, I, I mean, I just... have you watched one and two at least? Mm-hmm. Okay, watch season three. The first half is fucking phenomenal, and honestly, the second half is pretty great. Apart from complaining, Felicity, bitchy, bitchy, complaining, hoary Felicity. She is the only part of the second half of season three that makes you kind of just cringe the entire time she talks. Yeah. Well. But just to give you a good establishment of where they're at and why they're at where they're at is the whole thing. Because, like, have you seen at least the first episode of season three? No. Okay. Well, spoiler warning for anyone listening if they haven't watched it, but I'm going to say it just because it's been out there and you probably know about it to some degree. Uh, Sarah got killed. Sarah Lance, the first canary. Not black canary, but canary. Yeah. She uh, gets killed in the first episode of season three. Um, then there's a whole mystery surrounding that and a whole subplot about that but here in season 4 she gets brought back by the Lazarus Pit about probably about a full year after she's been dead and currently they're dealing with the repercussions of the fact that the Lazarus Pit doesn't it, it carries a piece of the soul of every single person that has ever used it to survive a mortal wound but in her case since she was already so far dead she now carries more of everyone else's souls than anyone else who's like, because when you just get a small wound, like the healing of it is what carries on a small piece of those other souls. If they're, they're healing her entire death and that whole year of being dead. So she has now carried on multiple souls and multiple hatreds. So now that's why they're bringing Constantine in to come in and try and deal with her supernatural elements of her resurrection. So it's been interesting because, like, we've already known for a long time she was going to wind up being resurrected because Legend of Tomorrow that starts at the mid-season finale point of Flash and Arrow this year um, is a team of Captain Cold, Heatwave, both from Flash, of uh, Firestorm from Flash, of uh, 
Ray Palmer, the Adam from season three of Arrow, um, and uh, Sarah Lance as the White Canary, the one that gets resurrected. Hmm. So I like that Flash is bringing in all these new metahumans, and I like the way that yes. they're doing it. I'm glad that they gave it a reason to finally say, like, hey, this universe is going to have superpowers. We're making that happen by, oh, there's a disaster. Oh, now there's a bunch of metahumans. Now both shows can have metahumans. Yeah, and I like the fact that, like, they kind of start alluding it to it in season two of Arrow with mm-hmm. the Mirakuru. Yeah. Like, which, by the way, somebody dumbest with... name for a super drug. It that... is the Mirakuru. It, it... The miracle. Thanks, jackasses. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, though, Japan. <laughs> I know. I know. It's just every Bandere. time I'm just like, God damn it. Mirakuru. Mirakuru Bandere. The Bandaru of Mirakuru in your system. <laughs> it is making you want to kill everyone. Everyone must die. Anyway, I'm glad that they're bringing in the metahumans. I'm glad that mm-hmm, it's actually mm-hmm. taking taking hold because now that they've, you know, cameoed, I guess, yeah, you know, yeah, Batman yeah. into it. If Batman's a real thing, then Superman is too. Yeah. So now we yeah. have to accept that people have superpowers. I mean, bringing in the Flash... Flash, yeah, it, Flash I also even, liked that. Okay, so Arrow's always been kind of a let's copy Batman's elements, the things that make Batman popular, and use that on Arrow because they happen to have a very similar financial situation and training situation. Regardless of the fact that Oliver Queen in the comics has always been pretty consistently a cheery fellow and who has thoroughly enjoyed his job as a superhero and is constantly like, I love doing this, I love being able to kick people in the teeth and just fucking do shit. Whereas Batman's like, this is my burden. I must do this. I'm the only one that can do this. And so they've adopted that mentality towards the character, which I think has been pretty detrimental to Oliver Queen in terms of the show. And we've all agreed, like, yeah, it made sense for the first season. Heck, it made sense for the second season. But since then, he should have been a little bit more cheery. Albeit season three, it's all about the uh, League of Assassins, so I understand that. And finally, here in season four, we're seeing that arrow finally pop up because fan demand showed that they wanted the original cheery, joking green arrow to come back and hell at first episode of season four i am the green arrow is pretty much the closing line of the first episode and it's just like okay so that's pretty the solid declaration of intent you're changing the direction and making lighthearted. yeah because the arrow boring yeah I'm, i mean for real i mean like, like literally that name is boring even i mean green arrow isn't much better no but at least it has a lineage exactly you know, it has something to play into. I, I'm waiting for Speedy and, and, and the Red Arrow. Well, that's the beauty of it, because Red Arrow was all of season four. Um, that was Ray Harper, the actual Red Arrow from the comics, who was Speedy first. Roy, and then Roy Harper. Yeah, you're right. There's too many Ray Roy bullshit on that show, because right. then there's Ray Palmer. And, and they're Roy both, Harper. Yeah, they were both on the show, and it made it difficult. But uh, regardless... Ray um, Roy, Ray Roy. So the thing is, is like, what's interesting about that is... Roy, Ray, no, Roy, Roy exited the show in a very tasteful way because he's getting more acting gigs and uh, he wanted to be off the show. So he re- was able to be written out during season three and it set up the current Speedy from the comics, which is Oliver's sister, Thea, who is current Speedy because throughout the entire first, second, and third season, he calls her Speedy. That's always been his nickname for her. And that justifies why he calls her Speedy in the field, and that's why her superhero name is Speedy, even though she keeps demanding that he calls her Red Arrow. So they're actually playing pretty heavily on the tropes from the comics in these shows now because what's funny is, like, 
first two or three seasons of Arrow pretty much tried staying away from too much direct continuity comparisons to the comics but then Flash during season one was like fuck it like that's all we are we are just the comics on TV let's do this and they saw the success they saw the the numbers of the views and that's what they devoted their time to in Arrow now so I'm, I'm very excited for this new season it's just getting that ball rolling is the hard part I want to touch on one thing before we close this out though um theory of mine that popped up last night because i was finally catching up on arrow right now so i'll pull up the picture of the guy just so you can know what i'm talking about so you know diggle diggle has been a character Dignito. yeah yeah with that whole that whole costume right now so i need to pull up a few pictures here so first off um echo column this guy um i guess that's how you tell him um is an actor who is currently portraying an alternate universe version of the character who plays uh, Mr. Terrific in the comic books. Um, he's currently cast as a variation on the Mr. Terrific persona, supposedly. Um, backstory. Mr. Terrific is a character from the comics who um, has abilities. He, he's an Olympic-level athlete. He's, got, he's the third smartest man in the world. He creates technology that allows him to remain visible from all other surveillance technologies out there. To, uh, to remain invisible? Completely invisible to all technologies on the world. On Damn, Earth. that's cool. So uh, he has this mask that you see right there that just looks like a T printed on his face. But it can come and go with his thoughts. So he can actually, he always wears his mask in public at all times because the moment he has a thought, it's just, it appears. Um, he has those orbs that are known as the T-spheres that allow him to hack into things remotely and do whatever he wants. And he wears leather jackets and has the word fair play always printed on his sleeves. The original version was a white dude from decades before Justice Society, the group, the, the Earth 2, essentially, um, which is what we're getting in season two of Arrow right now, or Flasher right now. Um, but Mr. Terrific was just always that guy. He was kind of like the equivalent of, like, say, in the uh, Watchmen universe of uh, Osmiandus, whatever his name is, um, the dude who just knew everything and was just like a super athlete. Um, that guy, the glowing blue guy. No, the one that was a uh, he had the cape and like he had the very regal look to him, the purple and gold kind of look to him. Um, he just knew everything, and he was actually the mastermind behind the whole scheme to get the blue guy in trouble. Oh, okay. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah, that guy. So he's equivalent with that guy. He's just like the perfect man, essentially. Well, in the show, Echo Colin plays a gay version of that character with a different first name. When they made the announcement on him, they said that he was going to be Mr. Terrific. However, as I thought about it more and more last night, he has no none of the aptitudes towards it. He has no Olympic-level athletic skill. He has no martial arts skill. He was taken down by a lamp falling on his head. Like, that happened last night in, like, his first real appearance in danger. But then they showed off that he was making the tech. He had the T-sphere sitting there. He had contact lenses that he had created to allow him to see... Uh, full HD screens on his eyes if he really wanted to, which allowed him to interface with things. So they were clearly building up towards his character, but then there's been interviews lately that say that he's has the season's almost done filming and he has yet to appear on the show in costume. However, Diggle's wearing a mask this season that has a very T-shape to the lenses, the lens piece, and he's constantly wearing a leather jacket, and he's already a big black man with athletic skill. So I'm wondering if they're going to twist Mr. Terrific into two characters 
supply the brain in one character, supply the brawn in another, and have him talk into earpieces and kind of communicate with him and kind of keep watch with him in the same way that Felicity treats Arrow, or Green Arrow now. So that's the thought that I had last night, is that what if they split that character up and they gave part of his role to Diggle, and that's how we get Mr. Terrific on the show, because all that he really needs to be Mr. Terrific is just the little spheres and the word fair play on his sleeve. And then you have the comic book version pretty much on screen. I think it's plausible. I think the way that they've written this, these shows and the way that these characters have kind of come out and how they've twisted some characters from their versions on TV to a version from the comics, I think it's entirely plausible that we might see Diggle be a physical embodiment of the character Mr. Terrific with Echo Callum's Callum's character portraying the brains of that duo. We'll see. Yeah, I just it was just one of those thoughts I had last night, and like I had somebody bounce back, just like I don't think they'll do that, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. It's just I wouldn't put it past the CW to twist a character that they've created just for the show that's gotten such a positive reception into that character to supply that role. We'll see. Yep. But yeah, with that, we'll uh, close off uh, the opening section. We'll come back with news in a few. <laughs> 